Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris Graham. Welcome back to another edition of Pizza at the Pagoda. Joined as always, Christian Jasper, James Watson, Mike McCullen hanging out with us here. And uh, we'll start things off the traditional way here. Uh, James, I hope you've been thinking on the answer to this question. What are you drinking tonight? <laughs> nice energy drink and a little bit of champagne, boy. Yes, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from drinking shame to champagne in the span of seven days. The man has bipolar tastes in alcohol. Uh, <laughs> Christian, what do you have in front of you? <laughs> uh, we got some Sapporo tonight. Ooh. Bottled. Nice. That's a fantastic Japanese beer. So good. Sake bombs and sushi for everybody. <laughs> Wait, are we announcing a return to Japan here or something? No, not yet. Mike McCullen, what is in front of you? I am drinking a delicious original premium Vian stuff on our wheat beer from Bavaria. In Zuntite. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what he said. All right, wrap it up. We're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we I, I won the podcast. Yay. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I I was debating whether I was going beer or wine tonight, and I'm walking upstairs and I'm thinking to myself, yo, you know what? We got strawberry wine. Let me, let me try the strawberry wine. Then I got thinking of old country music, and I guess that was going through my head when I made this margarita because I'm pretty sure I've just got a glass of straight tequila. Cabo Wabo tequila in front of me. <laughs> oh, look at you. Fancy. Oh, my God. I'm going to be absolutely ripped by the end of this thing. All right, boys. Uh, speaking of ripped, what are our thoughts on the weekend here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Saturday started fantastic with a great. Yes, it did. Big machine spike coolers Grand Prix. And then the wheels fell off. I think the splitters fell off. <laughs> and the curbing. <laughs> Don't forget the curbing definitely the fell curbing. off as well. And the radiator pans. And the tire barrier. <laughs> okay, can we can we not call them a splitter, though? It's a front wing. That's what those <laughs> things are. They're wings. I, I, don't want, I don't know why NASCAR has this hard on for we can't call things what they are, but it's a front wing. They had a rear wing on the back of the car. When they put a rear wing on it, they went, oh, wait, we probably need a front wing, too. And they put a front wing on it. We just never got rid of the front wings when we went back to the giant-ass spoilers. Hmm. Yeah, honestly, he's got a they point. Should, they should have gotten rid of the balance front wing splitter, whatever the hell you want to call that, when we went back to the spoiler. I would have rather had the wing than the, the front splitter. Like, I, I've seen enough cars get James, you have gone full potato to be sick of the, did, of the James, splitter. James, did your internet connection start drinking with the rest of us? Because you have gone absolutely full potato on us here. That would not surprise me. <laughs> All right. Well, here, let's have you jump out, jump back in. We'll we'll continue things briefly here with Christian and Mike. Uh, we'll start things off with the reason we're here: the IndyCar Grand Prix round number two i guess for the season uh what were we thinking i mean 
that race was interesting from front to back. Even practice and qualifying was incredible. Five cars within a couple thousandths of each other. Are you kidding me? I, I mean, to see it. Indy cars just at the speedway, regardless of what direction they're going. Everyone plans for it. They're ready for it. They've already done it once this year. They know what they're doing. They've got a setup that works. It was, it, it was perfect. It was, you know, what any cars are designed to do. Jimmy Johnson, and you guys know that I am the world's biggest person down on Jimmy Johnson and IndyCar. Performed. And he looked, looked like, like an IndyCar like, driver. He looked like an IndyCar driver. He knew what he was doing, and it gives me hope for what he does in that car next year now that he's seen the tracks. You know, he still didn't, you know, didn't run up front, but that's fine. He finished respectably. He didn't spin. He looked like he knew what he was doing. That Friday and Saturday for IndyCar was... It, it was probably the first time that he actually looked comfortable in the car and he sounded comfortable yeah he sounded comfortable and he sounded upbeat which it, is great and that is you know, something that i think we really can't overstate here is that you can put in thousands of hours in a simulator even in the honda and chevy simulators that do the motion and everything else it's not the same as my butt knows what this feels like mm-hmm and getting out there into a race car for the second time at a racetrack was probably pretty huge. Because even his first attempt on the road course, I mean, they mentioned it during the broadcast. Jimmy has turned more laps on the IMS road course than any other racetrack in an IndyCar. The, even the first time through, it's still not the same. Testing is one thing. Getting there on a race weekend and doing the thing is something completely different. I mean, last time out, finished 24th. And how many laps down? I don't know. But he finished 24th. Oh, only a lap down. Could be worse. And then where did he finish this weekend? 19th? Yeah, finished 19th on the lead lap. Uh, he was, that's it, slow progression. And yeah. Something about Jimmy Johnson's style, he was an unknown until he got to Cup. And the thing he was most known for was burying it three car legs deep into the foam at Watkins Glen. Nobody in their wasn't... right mind would have said, this guy's a seven-time champ. He found a car that suits him. And the more the Ganassi guys get in tune with what Jimmy needs out of a race car, I, I'm not saying he's going to be Scott Dixon and win six championships or something, but I, I don't see any reason that you can't say Jimmy Johnson's contending for top fives by the end of next season. No, I mean, he's got a car or he's got a car that can do it. We know that Ganassi knows how to set up cars and look, he finished not only on the lead lap, he finished on the lead lap in front of four or five other cars. You've got a four-time Indy 500 winner behind him. You've got a, a multiple-time V8 Supercars winner behind him. You had the guy who won the first race this year <laughs> at the at the road course behind him. He finished in front of guys. He made passes and he made moves during yeah, the race. Yeah, when I saw him 
when I saw him made that first move into turn one, I squeed with joy because I'm like, yes, he's looking like an IndyCar driver. I knew he could do it. Considering uh, I, how... I just want to go on, go Jasper. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I just want to take this opportunity to laugh at all of you because I've. <laughs> telling you this whole time i'm like give him time this is completely new to him he doesn't know what to deal with and what to expect let him get used to the car and then he'll start showing that he belongs i mean this is completely different than anything he had ever driven it's gonna take time he was getting lapped by guys who had years upon years of experience in cars like this where jimmy had driven jumpy trucks and stock cars completely different i knew that when he got time he would be able to show his capabilities and show he's just not out there to be a dog and pony show just for ratings stuff he was there to compete Considering where he started and where he is now, it's it is a good improvement. Um, I'm I'm kind of excited to see more. I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Same. Let's see. Let's see how he does for the rest of the season, and I, then let's see how he does now that he's seen all these tracks next year. Like if he still spins at the same place at Barber next year, and he still makes the same mistakes next year, you know. Everyone can, you know, look themselves into a good race now and then. You know, we'll see how he does if he's consistent next year. And I think that's the big thing. Consistency for the rest of the season and then consistent improvement next season. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that'll be that'll be telling. I, I don't think it's out of the cards because of how because of how he's been performing lately. Um so I I, I do hope that it, it does keep on improving like it has been and it's good for indycar if it, if it improves i mean between him you got the nascar guys and i think this was a huge weekend you know regardless of the shenanigans that that nascar did after indycar <laughs> it was and i think i i saw this on the broadcast a number number of times the first time that a lot of these indycar guys saw a nascar race live but conversely the first time a lot of the NASCAR guys saw IndyCar. I mean, they kept going to Daniel Suarez, and he was like, yeah, I'll, I, I want to get one of these things. I want to do one of these things. You had um, Austin Dillon and Felix Rosenquist you know, in, each, in each other's cars. That is a sentence that has never been said before. Austin <laughs> Dillon and Felix Rosenquist have never been in the same <laughs> sentence before i i had a very i, I don't know how many of y'all are are old tv fans but i had a very cliff clavin moment watching some of that coverage because <laughs> all i could hear is three people that have never been in my kitchen and i'm just laughing at it you know the, he's on jeopardy the final category was you know what do these three people have in common and the answer was the three people that have never been in my kitchen I, that was the feeling like it was just this very neat cross-pollination of stock car fans, open-wheel fans, the general insanity that is motorsports fandom in central Indiana was perfectly on display this weekend. I, I don't know that you could have lined up a better weekend of racing, especially when you include the USAC show that was going on out at IRP, too. Absolutely. 
plus, not to mention the Knoxville National, not too far away as well. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. You could have possibly done the Indy to Knoxville run. It would have to be pretty darn bonsai to pull it off. But I would imagine somebody probably could have tried it. Uh, let's let's do this here. I don't know how we got started on Jimmy Johnson this early in the show, but I might have been me. I had a positive thing to say about Jimmy Johnson, and I had to get it out early. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> the show's all going to go downhill from here. Let's re <laughs> let's review our picks from last weekend, and we'll start <laughs> with the pineapples and anchovies of the week. Um, I will easily claim loser of the losers here. I had Roman Grosjean <laughs> as being the guy that would have issues. Well. He came home second and not all that far behind race winner Will Power. So, mm. yeah, I'm an idiot. Didn't uh, he finish at the first first round here too? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he, he finished second. second. Yeah, he finished second. Uh, yeah, that was my call, basically, was he can't double it up. Oh, man. That's uh, a bad hey. call. I, I, wasn't, I, wasn't <laughs> I wasn't here to... To comment on that last week, but I would have told you that was a bad call last week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna gloat even though I've got no no horses. <laughs> well, okay, here because we're gonna tee off on Christian next because his loser of the week was Colton Herta. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> With a very solid third place run, we have absolutely no idea what the hell we're talking about. We're terrible at this. Oh man, uh, not ever. Not everyone. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I wouldn't talk here, Hefe, because you're next on the hit list. James Watson picked Alexander Rossi to be his potato of the week, who came home in the hey. fourth position. So our losers of the week finished second, third, and fourth. <laughs> ben Carswell is the only guy with, well, a semi modicum of brain cells here. He took Marcus Erickson to be his big loser of the week. And Erickson finished in ninth. I don't know how, but Ben gets the W with his driver finishing in ninth. Good Lord. On to our race winning picks here. Yes, James picked willpower. He always picks willpower. Get over it. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> James, we'll give you a second here. Uh, or Yeah, James. Gloat on willpower. You had to eat a lot of crow one week ago. Oh, what oh, was oh, most uh, impressive about Will Powers' drive this past weekend? Oh, I'm about to stunt on the toes right now. I had to sit and take my lumps as because he was the big smooth for Nashville. But this week, <laughs> he he showed the willpower that I know and love and that everyone fears and whooped everyone's butt like I knew would happen at some point this season, hopefully. So, yes, I am about to gloat because I earned every second of it because I heard it from every single person <laughs> who even paid attention to that Nashville race. So, yeah. <laughs> Boom. Now he needs to do it again. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say one is good one is uh, now let's let's be realistic here will power has absolutely dominated the indianapolis motor speedway road course and it's by yeah. a wide margin <laughs> i will say though i don't know that whether it was grosjean herda rossi pato harvey 
these are names that we see run up front at this racetrack. They cut into his advantage a little bit, but they're still not close to what Will Power's doing out there. I thought his weekend was doomed when he spun it in practice and then, oh no, he didn't spin it. He missed the runoff and then stalled and went into anti-stall and almost broke the car. I thought it was like, aha, more willpower shenanigans. (laughs) Yeah, I I was in the same boat too. I'm like, oh no, not again. And same thing with Rossi when his car died at the pit exit. I thought his gremlins were back. Uh, well, Rossi I, was smiling on the broadcast, and it was scary. Bro. <laughs> bro. Happy Rossi. Happy yeah. Rossi. I love to see it. Uh, <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> I, I cannot wait for Rossi to get his second 500. Because the first, he was so lost. The moment he had no concept, he uh, legitimately, and he will, he has admitted to the fact that he didn't know what Indy means. Now he knows what that place means. Win number two for Rossi, if he can get it in the 500, is going to be pretty darn spectacular. I don't think it's, I don't think it's if, I think it's when. He's been so close the last couple of years. As you long know as what? Andretti can put a car under him that works, he'll get there. It's, it's going to be like Montoya's second win. At Indy, that's gonna long. be like his second win. I no, I don't think it. No, no, I don't think it's gonna be that long. Oh. But I think it's it's gonna hit him hard. Yes, in a good way. Uh, his willpowers. Yes, I I think that's the kind of reaction you're gonna get from Alexander Rossi. <laughs> Continuing our rundown here, um, Ben took Roman Grosjean. So we've got two picks for winners, and we've got the top two. Uh, (laughs) Then we get to Christian and I. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) Listen, he was making it work. He Uh, was making it work on map three. I was going to say, let's let's run through my pick here quickly. Scott Dixon had a very ho-hum weekend. Very un-Scott Dixon-like, quite frankly. Started 26, finished 17th. Dixon was almost anonymous this weekend. Mm-hmm. Alex Palou, on the other hand, was... I, I mean, he was a throwback to Ayrton Senna holding the car in six gear for the whole race. <laughs> <laughs> Running that car on, on map three, which is basically the middle rung... At least that's my understanding. The The sim world does the it's, fuel it's maps a little jog. differently. Yes. It was not a full-throated, I'm going after this kind of fuel map setting. He was, yeah, he was jogging the 100-meter dash, and he damn near brought home a podium. Is that the best drive we've seen from Alex Palou? And, and the guy's got two wins this season? It One was, of, he's going to have was more. good. He was fighting a broken car i'm wondering because i remember after his pit stop they said that they got one and two working i'm wondering if they turned it up and the engine was like uh no and that's <laughs> as opposed to had they left him in three yeah he was having to to push and defend and yeah but he was staying up front he was had decent pace and he had the fastest lap of the race for a little bit didn't yeah. he? 
And it was, you know, if he had stayed in three, not only would that, it was also would have been a fuel save run for him. He could have had Scott Dixon levels of fuel mileage there. Yep. I just wonder if they turned him up when they got it working and the engine was like, yeah, nope. Yeah. And, and the other part of that that comes into play here, unfortunately for young Mr. Palou, with, uh, let me see what lap of the race he went out on, uh, with, about 20 laps to go, he had a 75-point lead in the driver's point standing, driver's championship. Three laps later, the lead was down to 26 points, and we went from a maybe two-horse race to... I can I don't know that you can count Graham Rahal out yet. And Graham Rahal's in sixth, 103 points back. Yeah, I think you can count Graham Rahal out. Well, I mathematically. tend to agree. <laughs> Not mathematically. mathematically but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the reality, okay, Graham Rahal is not overcoming the five cars that are ahead of him in points. My point is, you're talking about having six drivers within 100 points. If Palou's engine holds together, if the grenade that is these Honda engines now if that holds together, this is a completely different story heading to Gateway. I think for the five guys up front, the most important session of this season is going to be qualifying at Long Beach. Because that is a track position track. You're going to want to be as close to the front as you can be. This is, for all intents and purposes, this is that Long Beach race, if everything stays kind of where it is right now and this championship stays tight, that is going to be like the Game 7 moment that NASCAR has artificially been chasing with their playoffs. And IndyCar's done it naturally. IndyCar that's... does it naturally almost every year. Mm-hmm. And, and that's without the need for double-point shenanigans and silliness. This, is, this year's Long Beach Grand Prix, and we'll get to that because that's at the end of September. But the three-race stretch that's coming up, I, I absolutely love the idea here. You're going to go, we're going to run this weekend for the Bomberito Auto Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, otherwise known, the artist formerly known as Gateway. <laughs> <laughs> then we get a couple of weeks off and we finish with the Western Swing. Portland, Laguna Seca, Long Beach, and basically no time to get back to Indianapolis. Very minimal time. It's not like these teams are going to go back and forth. So Yeah, that's back to back to back on the West Coast. Yes. I, mean, I just processed for that. That's crazy. Otherwise known in the drag racing world as the Western Swing. Yes. And similar to what the drag racing teams have done, I would imagine there's a lot of communication that's going on there. The drag racing teams basically set up shop on the West Coast for that because they're out there for several weeks. The IndyCar guys are going to be out there for basically a month, September 12th in Portland, September 19th at Laguna Seca, September 26th at Long Beach. That has the potential to be absolutely epic in terms of how you wrap up a season. I almost wish Long Beach could stay at the end of the season. I get they want their April date back, but man, that is going to be fantastically cool to see late in the season. 
with that though, let's let's kind of back things up here because we do have more storylines that we could possibly talk about from the well, I'm just going to call it the Grand Prix in Indianapolis. Um you look at the top six, Will Power, Roman Grosjean, Colton Herta, Alexander Rossi, Pato Award, Jack Harvey. No real surprises there. Um, what does that say for, is this just cream rising to the top when it matters territory? Or what do we think might be going on there? I I can't even begin to come up with a word for that because it's because <laughs> it, it's like this whole season is, has kind of been like that it's it's it, not necessarily an unknown but it's kind of kind of like an unexpected you know we've had a bunch of names at the front that we don't usually see at the front and then we see a couple of them peppered in there from time to time and then you know we see some of them up up uh consistently up there scott dixon um <laughs> and now like as it, it's getting later in the season for whatever reason the guys that we usually see up at the front it's like they just knocked all the cobwebs out for this race uh yeah alex palu had his issues scott dixon was 17th as we mentioned the rest of the front, though, I mean, that this was the weekend that Pato, even Joseph Newgarden finishing eighth, he needed that this weekend mm -hmm. to have both Dixon and Palou have issues. That has tightened things up tremendously in the championship battle here. And let's give a shout out 10th to Takuma Sato. I did not see much of him on the broadcast. How about Cotter Daly coming home in 11th? 12th, Christian Lundgaard. Was that one of the best stories of the weekend? I it was a story. It's a story. It, it's <laughs> an, so, and you can take it one or two ways. The way that I think all of us here, and I'm not going to speak for all of you guys, but I think I know you well enough to say, the way that we're going to take that is, hey, this kid came over, um, hopped in an IndyCar, qualified fourth, finished 12th with food poisoning, uh, and, you know, had you know while he was learning how the tires worked under him during the race that's really cool good for him the way that i've seen a lot of people taking this is indycar drivers suck because you got an f2 driver go over and you know not yeah and you know perform stellar in his first race it's it's there are two ways to take it depending on your biases i, I, I think, think it's fine if, i think it's a cool story if it were not for the trials and tribulations that Roman Grosjean has had this year. He's had some great success, but he's had some weekends where he's really been out to lunch. Mm -hmm. I, I think the story more leans toward an F2 driver could easily win an IndyCar. The reality of this is Grosjean did not win either this weekend, and he's an F1 guy. So let's tone down the rhetoric here a little bit. I mean, granted, the F1 fans are going to do what F1 fans do, and quite frankly, be silly about it. But I, I think, like I said, I think it was a good story. It, the, the kid was impressive and it showed additional names because Alex Albon was there and there is appears to be pretty significant mutual interest between Alexander Albon 
and Dale Coyne Racing for that open seat next season. Yep. Uh, are, is this the second coming of F1 to IndyCar? And does it hurt the Indy Lights guys? Because Alex Albon's bringing wads of cash with him. Yeah, That's he's... where I would have the issue with it. I think Wes said it so succinctly in the Discord that F1 is now the last step on the and last rung on the road to Indy ladder. <laughs> I, you know he's not wrong <laughs> I, I was gonna say it, Fernando Alonso started to open that door a little bit uh, and it has been kicked wide open by Roman Grosjean I think the big difference they saw the, the little bit of a loose atmosphere that Alonso had these guys are seeing what Grosjean is putting on social media He's not constantly under the eye of paparazzi and all the crap that goes with being an F1 driver. He's out here touring the country in an RV for a month with his family. Like, that has to be appealing to these guys. He's legitimately having a good time. He's happy. Finally. He's happy <clears throat> having a good time. I thought it was such a cool moment for him and his, you know, to be able to celebrate his podium with his family it's you know he's having he's, a good time it's not as cutthroat your your teammate isn't there to you know you know beat you your teammates there to be a teammate yeah like these guys are competitors on the track but i don't think that there's i'm sure that there are some you know guys who just dislike each other you know as people but i i think that's few and far between i think these guys are legitimately friends so i think that you look at that environment and that you know you've got people that are willing to help you yeah they're not going to tell you like you know how the teams are doing things or whatever but they're got these guys are out there to you know support each other and you know be casual and the fan interactions like f1 i think i saw it somewhere and somebody said you know f1 is very clinical and you, you can see that you know the way that you know all the setups are and every you know little thing is you know minutely measured and indie cars like i mean just the way that you know even you just walk through an indie car paddock right there's no garages there's no you know operating rooms and whatever mm -hmm. you know in a garage you've got guys under tents setting up race cars next mm -hmm. to trucks it's you know yeah they're they're still modern you know technologically advanced race cars but the environment that goes around it and then you've got the fans wandering around and yeah, i i think it's you can go out, you can race, you can be competitive, but the cars not work. under that microscope. I, I say, I, and what, how did you just describe the cars, Christian? They work. They, they work, work and they are work. Let's not discount that either. F1 cars are now granted, they banned a lot of the crazy driver aids after 93, mm -hmm. but the modern F1 car does not drive in any way, shape, or form like an IndyCar. You nope, can, nope. you have to muscle an IndyCar with no power steering and a back end that just wants to dance. More horsepower than probably what you need in some instances. And that makes it fun. You can pitch the car sideways, get it loose right on the edge of the slip angle from just enough to be crazy fast to 
I'm going to bend this thing in the wall. We saw Colton Herta do that at Nashville. Man. It was not a huge mistake that he made, but it was enough to, to yard sale the race car. I, I these just things are say it fun. was nuts seeing him throw that thing around that track, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just nuts. So, but with that, we'll, we'll kind of transition forward here a little bit. It, there's been a lot of discussion surrounding the role of the sanctioning body, the role of the racetrack, in this case, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the role of the teams, and the role of the drivers in the incidents that we saw Saturday and Sunday in the NASCAR events. Obviously, IndyCars generate a ton of downforce and light years more compared to what a stock car is going to do. Where do you guys lay most of the blame? I think everybody takes a little bit, but where do you assign most of the blame for what we saw this weekend in NASCAR? I mean, that's, uh, I feel like that's kind of hard to pinpoint. Um, Cause the, the road course usually, at least from what I've seen, please correct me if I'm wrong on this. The road course usually has and caters towards open wheeled cars. Yeah, but GTs have been fine around there. You had um, Intercontinental GT Challenge there. You've had SCCA there. You've had a number of series there. And they didn't have issues. Even Xfinity was okay, minus that uh, orange turtle on the, on the <laughs> exit of, uh, of six there. Um, I, I, I don't understand why they took a, a book from Red Bull Ring on that chicane, bro. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. But the thing that I was noticing is that the stock cars, even in clean air, attacked that curb with the middle of the car over the middle of the curbing. Not a tire on the curbing, not a tire slightly over the curbing, middle of the car, straight line at full throttle over a curb. That's going to tear up a race car. If that curb was concrete, that, cur that would tear up a race car. They did that consistently in clean air. I, I, because well, that's how the, what I, was I, interesting about it was there weren't any of these problems last year because last year Xfinity ran the road course and this wasn't even an issue. No one even expected this. Nothing happened as far as this last year. But this year, that curb was an absolute menace, not just in for the stock car races, but Indy as well. I mean, we all saw Scotty Mack airplane the thing over it. That could have and been he landed way... it and finished the race. My man, yeah. <laughs> more durable than stock cars. Well, <laughs> I, I was talking with my father about this. What really helped with that was the fact that he somehow managed to land perfectly on all four wheels, like like a a jet touching down. If, amazing. If he didn't, if he landed on the front or the rear and put more unequal pressure on any of the corners of the car, 
the suspension would have snapped and bad things would have happened because who knows where that car would yeah, have been. Yeah, but then you had Mark I was going to say, going, <laughs> going airborne and hitting, you know, one wheel and going, launching himself off another and landing it. And I mean, and even the Russian, twice now, back to back weeks, the Russian judge has scored landings over a nine. I mean, that's really impressive when you consider that these cars are supposed to be dainty and you can't, you can't brush the wall the wrong way. I mean, how many times during the month of May at Indy do we hear, I brushed the wall and threw the whole car out of whack? I wanted, at this point now, the drivers can all shut the hell up about that. We've seen <laughs> two cars go freaking airborne stick the landing and finish well, one of the I winning think if the you race. brush a wall at 230 miles an hour you're gonna bend something even if it's subtle and it might be damaged to very subtle damage to a wheel to a to a toe you know to a toe link to an a-arm it might be very subtle damage that'll throw everything out on that one side of the car but yeah you got two guys getting airborne and you know, I thought Scotty Mack was done with that. I was like, oh, there's a, there's a yellow flag. Nope, just tucked back in line. I, I have I'm a hard time. Tires, we're fine. <laughs> I have a hard time putting the blame on, on IMS. I think the only thing that you can say is, all right, why wasn't that curbing? Why is that curbing metal? That's kind of weird. Why isn't it concrete? Or that bolt down plastic or you know, hard plastic that they use at Daytona or Watkins. Why metal? That's kind of interesting. Uh, but he, yeah, it, it wasn't an issue last year for the Xfinity cars. I think that sausage curve at the Exodus 6 is kind of dumb. And if that was, was really Roger saying, I don't want to messing up the grass, then that's stupid. Because that's. Yeah. No, it the was, problem. The reason. The problem is, if you don't put the big sausage curbs there, they're just not going to try to make the corner whatsoever. No, no, they're not. And I think that is, you know, I think a I don't know bigger what consideration this... is for the stock cars. Obviously, we saw how quickly that curb could come up. Just take it up. Change the corner entirely, and make that well, a straight the line entirely. Run really have them run that carousel instead instead of making that a little making that a fast kink have them run the carousel oh you don't you don't like our track limits fine the track's different <laughs> the well, only headache to take that at high speed the only headache i would imagine that comes from that is how you set up timing lines and all that is a that was a shared timing system this weekend both IndyCar and NASCAR were using the same loops. And I would tend to think that now you have two separate layouts you have to convert over. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. fair. So what I thought was interesting is reading reactions to between NASCAR fans and IndyCar fans to the same thing. IndyCar fans are a little like, hey, IMS did a great job. You know, hey, look at Doug Bowles getting out there and helping clean up. And, you know, they, they should, you know, track limits are there for a reason. Respect the track limits. Don't drive over the curb. It's there for a reason. For NASCAR fans, the general consensus you was curb. You don't bludgeon the curb. Yeah. IMS, you know, IMS screwed up. The track president should be fired. Look at this suit out here pretending like he's working. And 
you know, you know, there should be no track limits. If it's paved, we should run on it. And Lord. I thought the reaction between stock, you know, your general stock car fan and your general indie car fan was very different. Yeah, I'm. I'll I'll say it this way. I think the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, even dating back to the Holman George family, has about been the gold standard in terms of racetracks. They were the first to implement a true infield hospital. They are yep. forefront in the world of safety. NASCAR people can run their mouths all they want. We don't have the safer barrier without Tony George. So all the TG hating cart people, y'all can shut the hell up too. Uh, hmm. There are so many things that Indy just does, has always done right. And now you're adding in that level of Penske perfect, the expectation of excellence at all times. I took it as the whole Doug Bowles being out there helping clean up the racetrack thing. That sort of comes off photo oppish to me. I understand he was working and he was trying to see what was going on with his racetrack. Man, you got people. You got a lot of people. Let your people do what your people you're paying. I think them that's to just do. Doug Bowles, though. But that's just he that's just, that's just like, hey, Doug let me Bowles. grab a broom. What what can I do? Yeah, what can I do to help? Yeah, and, I, and I think he's that's, out there. And and that is that's taking pride in what you have and what you do. Good leadership. That is, hey guys, how can I help you? And like, you know, this is my racetrack that I am stewarding for Roger. Now, knowing Penske, there was probably a lot of very uncomfortable meetings last night and probably today going, how did we screw this up this badly? I but there's probably also did. a lot of I don't think they did either, but it looked bad. And when you've got the NBC commentary team kind of going hard on IMS, right? At least that's how I heard it. I heard the NBC commentary team kind of chewing out IMS. A lot of that was on NASCAR race control. The first time you saw a piece of a car come flying off the lap before, you go, oh shit, debris. Like, they throw phantom debris cautions in the past, but when you've got, like, a belly pan of a car exploding <laughs> out of a car, and you wait another lap, you invite the carnage. And I think NASCAR race control in general looked amateur this weekend. Yeah, or when you see a bunch of cars go over the curb and huge puffs of debris is flying everywhere. They're like, nope, it's good. And then the very next lap, half the field dies. There should the... have been a caution as soon as Truex got sideways. Yeah. Like, as, like, they're so quick on the caution for any other incident. You've got a guy sideways into tires. Even if he gets moving, there might be a reason why you want to go throw a caution there. Like, yeah, I get it. It's the end of the race. There's four laps to go. You've got your stupid overtime that you've got to get through. But instead, they let him completely destroy that curbing and tear up a number of race cars. And that was, I mean, I think Austin Dillon's commentary was was kind of spot on. You know, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, you know, I hope the fans like the demolition derby out here. It's, you know, you know, well, I, I, you know we tore up a bunch of race cars. I, I, here's my take on that, though. I would pin 
80 plus percent of this on the drivers. Yep. Ultimately, you don't go too wide through there. Whether your job as a race car driver is to make it from point A to point B in the shortest possible time. Point B is the finish line, not the next corner ahead of you, not anything else. You have to make sure the car gets there. And don't tell me that the 10th that you gain or lose by absolutely airmailing it over a curb is worth the potential of I don't make the finish. And then you had guys going three, four, five wide through there. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah. On, that... Like, maybe on a restart, too wide. But at some point, that's not going to work. And then to penalize somebody like Bubba going, oh, shit, curb, I should avoid that. And he goes wide, and then they penalize him for trying to keep his race car in one Exactly. Piece. Like, that is, that is where race control really looks like a clown I, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna handle the the discussion about the the penalties and the inevitable f discussion about the finish as unbiased i can be as a longtime chase briscoe fan but <laughs> none of that made absolute sense you realize i don't think nascar realized that you're basically telling the drivers that you have to drive headfirst into the chaos, otherwise you're gonna get penalized. Yeah, that... how is how is that sensible? How Bubba did mm. the smart thing, avoiding the 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 trouble, not even really gained anything outside of passing by all. I think he gained a position. Yeah, maybe because and they could have been like give the position back. Yeah, like and, and with Chase, he got forced off. He had no choice but to go off the track because Denny was right there. And the way the grass is, it goes away at an angle. He was going to get grass no matter what. So you're telling him that his option is to go straight through the grass by the curbing and slide up and push Denny off and AJ off the track then. Yeah, that's what he's telling him. That's it. He came back on track. He gave back the spot that was ill-gained, which uh, to me was really was intelligent thinking in the moment because I'm not thinking that way as a driver. He gives the spot back, and then Danny Hamlin continues to run him dirty. Yeah. I, and and Briscoe came Denny out and said he made a mistake. He had a penalty. Danny knew he had a penalty. I, yeah, Danny could be like, fine. Like Denny regardless he, of Denny could have pulled over and let him go. Yeah. Denny knew he had a penalty because he's the one that gave him the penalty in the <laughs> first place. Like it, this goes back to the discussion from Austria with Lando and Perez and why Lando got penalized for pushing him off because if you don't do that what are you opening it up for? You're allowing the car on the inside to just shove the car off the track and have nothing to you. That Here's... takes away side-by-side -side racing when the inside car can just shove the outside car I off. mean, if you looked at that, it was three guys, three wide into turn one. You've got AJ on the outside, Denny in the middle, try, you know, closing down the apex, and Chase with nowhere to go. 
Exactly. So why is Chase? And that's getting... good racing. That's I, I was racing. just going to say that to me is good racing. And the alternative, the the option that NASCAR has given their drivers is if you're in Chase Briscoe's shoes, make a hard right hand turn. Yeah. Keep that's what the that's car what they, on they're... the pavement. And and that brings me to the discussion of what do we despise less? Because I think both options are, quite frankly, terrible. Do we do we hate sausage curbs less, or do we hate arbitrary track enforce track limits enforcement like you see in F one less? What's the I hate worst one's track limits enforcement? It's just so, it, it's kind of one of the reasons why I don't like the NFL. I like football. I like the game of football. I hate the NFL because all of the rules are absurd. And they are so overly technical to an average fan watching it. You go, an average fan watching, and I'm going to come back to the, I lived in Detroit, that Calvin Johnson catch against the Bears many years ago, where you're like, that man just made an awesome catch. And they rule it incomplete because he didn't complete the process of the catch. The hell does that mean as an average fan? (laughs) The same thing with arbitrary track limits. It's like, you paved it. You're letting them run on it. Now, you, you got a circuit like, um, you know, Fran- you know the, the circuit in France where it's, you know, all paved because it's a test track. All right. Well, that's kind of stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to come up with something. But it's arbitrary track limits. I, I IndyCar at Coda was so much better than... F1 at Coda because it opens up the race. It looks reasonable. You go, hey, you paved it. Yeah, there's that white line there. That thing, whatever. You know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go off. And if we go into the grass, well, we're screwed, and that's on us. We're professional race car drivers. We're not gonna do that. Arbitrary track limits are awful. But if the track says, hey, we don't want you to go there and put something on the track to keep you from going there. Don't go there. It's that simple. When you've put a track limit on the track, obey the track limit. (laughs) Yes, the track track limit. The the track limit is solid objects, and curves count as solid objects. Yeah. I mean, the the reaction, and again, this was on the NBC broadcast team, wasn't get rid of the curb. It was drivers, don't drive over the curb. And that's the thing that, infuriates me about nascar is the way that their race control dealt with that it was it wasn't hey assholes stop driving over the curb you're breaking your cars it was that curb shouldn't be there why is that curb there it's like there's a rule because that's part of the turn yeah indycar didn't have a problem with it i didn't know that sausage curb was there with indycar they none of them ran over it they knew it was there. They knew it was part of the track. Scotty Mack hit, I guess, the He the hit the smaller, one on the inside. He hit the smaller that, sausage Yeah, he curb. got that one on the inside, and that was just, he didn't have an option there. And But you've got that one at, at you know, track. And uh, yeah, I know it's, you know, you know, stock cars don't turn well, and they're not designed to turn right, and all of that, yada, 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 yada. But. Come on, guys. All that, all that, that says to drivers, me is okay, be a pro. Learn how to do it or fix it. You the are setup. the best drivers of stock cars in the world, allegedly. 
don't hit the curbs. Oh, <laughs> we're back. The, the, the year of allegedly is back. <laughs> That's what we said. We said last week, allegedly Alex Palou is a championship contender. And, and as we get close to the 45 minute mark here, let's, let's start to circle things back to IndyCar. Allegedly, <laughs> Alex Palou is a championship contender. That's still allegedly. Uh, allegedly, Scott Dixon has a shot at title number seven. Allegedly, Pato Award is really good. Uh, how many other allegedly's do we want to come up with here? Because we've got some time following the, the race this weekend in Gateway. Allegedly, we're going to run the final oval of the season this weekend. And Romain Grosjean is running that oval, and he is excited about it. And that I makes love me that. so happy. I Allegedly. love that. Allegedly. <laughs> I love that. He's, he's allegedly looking for a property in the U.S. That's, that's, that's beautiful. awesome. And, and he has absolutely embraced the series, the tracks, the fans. I think every single fan who has met him has had nothing but kind words to say about him and he's had nothing but kind words to say about the fans i mean he is a racer and i think he's thriving right and, I, and you know i stand by this statement with grosjean being an indie car and performing incredibly well and the fact that he's loving it he is in a car that works he is with the team him. that works with him absolutely he's like he's competitive like he should have been. He's competitive like we've known him to be. But he can finally do it now. I think he has a bad rap from F1. And yeah, he's done Spa. some stupid, yeah, Spa. First driver to get you know enough penalty points to be suspended. But he also had a fair amount of success in F1. He absolutely a, did. You know, in a Lotus, multiple podiums, amazing drives. He had a car that broke on him several times when he was, you know, in contention for podiums and wins. And he did that with a teammate of Kimi Raikkonen, right? He, so he went from Lotus and then he went to Haas and the Haas just blew up under him. If you put him in a car that worked, I think the, this impression of Grosjean, you know, again, you know, you know, Formula One fan going, well, how hard can IndyCar be? That crappy guy Grosjean's over there being successful, which is an opinion I have seen on, on Reddit more than once, as <laughs> opposed to, hey, Grosjean's a pretty good driver. He stormed through GP2. He had an incredible season in GP2. He had a really good run as a rookie at Lotus, teamed with Kimi Raikkonen. He, you know, in a Lotus that was effectively garbage, both yep. of them got some performance out of that car. They overperformed that car. And yeah, you can't compare Roman Grosjean to Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen is one of the greatest. Only one championship he should have. I think he should you know, have more. But you've got Kimi Raikkonen versus Roman Grosjean. Yeah, of course, Kimi Raikkonen is a better race car driver than Roman Grosjean. That doesn't mean Grosjean's bad. Romain Grosjean is still a very good race car driver, and we're seeing that here. So then that leads yeah. to the discussion of this weekend. My personal take on this is I think a top 10 finish, Grosjean has to look at as a win. I think so. First, first, I agree. 
His first oval ever? Absolutely. But he's loving it. He's excited. You can tell he's excited. He's never driven this car with that, with uh, so little downforce. Well, it, it, Gateway's still going to have the road course wing package still, though. So it, Are they doing the, the double pane? Yes. Oh, that, wow. That's the good thing about him making his oval debut at Gateway, because it's going to be something similar to what he's used to as far as the downfall. It's a very, it's a short road course, and there's only left turns. I, I think that's a fair way to look at Gateway. It's uh, a flat Darlington, for lack of a better term. It's egg-shaped. Uh, you have to approach the one and two end very differently from the three and four end. But everything about running an oval race is kind of backwards from the way you do things on the road courses. On a road course, this weekend for the GP, they line out the strategy options based on, I need to make it to this lap with this much fuel in the car. Yep. And then let's start counting backwards and okay, the window, here's where the windows are pretty defined from that perspective on the oval side of things that doesn't really start to happen until later in the race you're not having to manage multiple compounds of tire and hey we're gonna get you know the blacks are better this weekend let's get the red stint out of the way earlier let's save the reds for a very short blast at the end all the different strategies that come into play there you've only got the one set of tires one compound i should say of tires and more than enough rubber in the pits to last the entire race. So it really is, we're going to pit almost every caution. It's just oval racing is a very different beast. I don't think that we can oversell the confidence in the car looks and feels the same under me. I'm going to be successful. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. If there's any place where Grosjean has struggled this year, it's coin strategists are awful and i might have just called out dale coin because i think he does strategy for for the 51 but coin has repeatedly screwed him on strategy so that's where i think that there the biggest challenge for him might not be negotiating the car around the track it might be coin calling a dumb strategy passing is going to be completely different too yes uh, yeah, you're talking about, you know, restarts in on the road courses, the leader goes and things sort of just accordion out from there. They, they do, and I don't know why IndyCar does this, but they let them play this accordion game. You see it happen on the ovals too. The difference is the draft really comes into play. You're getting the big toes and the big runs. And you have to be more aggressive. You can't wait and go, oh, yeah, I know this guy's not real good at turn nine. I'll make up the ground there. We saw it with Newgarden and Pagano a handful of years ago. You have to run this place from literally wall to wall. I'm excited for it. Gateway is usually pretty good. I think last year's races were not as great, but I think it'll be a good weekend. Is this a night race or is it a... Yeah, it's a night race. Night race. The update wave race is much better at night. Uh, yeah, taking a look here. Let me 
do the quick searches here. Um, Ooh, lights are there too. Lights on the oval. That'll be fun. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, as they, long as they use the lights for that, unlike Nashville in that one race that shall not be named. Uh, taking, Real OGs know what I'm talking about. Take, taking a look at the weather conditions for this weekend, uh, actually not overly conducive to a lot of track time here. Uh, IndyCar has not published the race weekend schedule yet, but Friday, seeing scattered thunderstorms, uh, fairly high humidity. Daytime temps of 88 overnight, 72 for a low. Uh, Saturday, about a 30 to 40% chance of storms. Scattered in the morning, then mainly cloudy late. Uh, the weather conditions could be good, but let's also not negate here a full moon rising on Saturday night. Ooh, why not? Let's add let's something go. else to it for this weekend. <laughs> I'm on board. Let's do it. <laughs> but with I that, I, I think it is time for us to make some picks here for this weekend. Um, let's see. Who should we pick on? Um, James won by default because he always takes willpower. Um, ben Carswell, who was on the show last week, took Roman Grosjean. And... We had Palou and Dixon. So let's go with Mike McCollin. We'll start with you. Since uh, Christian's going to be over here committing pizza crimes. Put, put <laughs> what, what, do I, pizza. what do I pick in here? Winner or, winner or pineapple? Uh, let's go pineapple. All right. Pineapple, huh? Oh, so many choices here. So many choices. Uh... There's so many options here. I'm torn here. Uh just just to piss James off, we're gonna go willpower. I think I think last week was a fluke. <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I you know what? If willpower has a well, we'll say the rest of 2021 as compared to last Saturday, that could be a very long and expensive weekend for Team Penske. Uh Let's head over to James. Who is your pick for the anchovy, pineapple, whatever of the week? I'm picking Rossi because I know it'll piss Mike off. <laughs> that is Rossi friend. <laughs> that's fantastic. We're just out here to crap on each other at this point. That's what we do. <laughs> All right, Christian, who is it? Who's the pineapple this week? Uh... I hate to say it. I think it's going to be Joseph. Ah, that's where my head was at. And I was like, nah, it's the second half of the season. He's been good at Gateway. I, I, I think it's going to be Joseph. I, uh, the Penske reliability gremlins are going to rear their head again. He's going to do incredibly well. And then something is going to happen with one lap to go. Oof. We had it. We had it with two. We had it with three laps at Detroit, or no? It was three laps at Road America, and and the overtime basically restart in Detroit. Yep. 
Killed willpower. Oh. I twitch. The... Not, not only is he picking the pineapple, he's picking how the pineapple gets put on the pizza. I know. Man, that's impressive. That's bold. And kicking off the Lee, the Lee Diffie drinking game, too, which is fantastic. <laughs> Drummer. Drummer in Gateway. That would be, oh my God, that would be fantastic. Uh, my pick for Pineapple of the Week is the guy running fifth in points right now, Marcus Erickson. He has not been very good on the ovals uh, out early. In fact, I think finishing last in this year's Indy 500 was not real great at Texas either. Uh, I guess he had one He had one decent finish there at Texas. But, um, oh, uh, no, he actually... Uh... I am I'm brain farting on his results from Texas, but it's not like they matter because Texas and Gateway couldn't be more dissimilar. Erickson uh, finished eleventh yeah. at Indy. Oh well, still I'm picking Marcus Erickson. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now we'll kick Find things. Ourselves on facts and fact checking on this show. <laughs> what accuracy is what we do? I thought tequila was what we do. <laughs> there it is. There, there we is. go. There's your excuse. Boom. Um, all right. We'll go in reverse order here now uh, for picking winners. And I'm actually going to go opposite of Christian here. I think Joseph Newgarden gets the win at Gateway. He needs it if he's going to have any shot of a championship. And if it's really going to boil down to it, Pato and Palou have to be pretty darn good if they're going to stop Dixon and Newgarden over this last handful of races. I think Joseph Newgarden goes to victory lane for Team Penske. That moves us to who? Um, James? Sure, James, you go. No, never Do mind. Do I even have to answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that would bring us then to Christian Jasper, your pick for the weekend weekend winner here at gateway i am gonna say pato i think i think award is gonna continue his i i don't want to say a string because the ovals have been pretty separated from the rest of the season but i think he's gonna he's he's been doing well on all of the oval races all three of them that we've had but you know still very very good i, th I think he's gonna i think he's gonna pull it out uh, well, yeah, he does have a win this season at Texas Motor Speedway. And if there's one thing to say about Pato, the boy's got some huevos. He will absolutely be capable of that gutsy, ballsy, whatever you want to call it, move that usually seems to happen late in these races uh, mm -hmm. on a late race restart. Mike, you're the last one to go here. Who's your pick? Uh, Jasper's still my pick, so... uh I was thinking Pato too. He finished third and second in the two races last year. So to be different, I'm going to go with Colton Herta. He's had a couple of good finishes. He should have finished well at Nashville and his head got ahead of him. He finished okay there last year with a fourth and a sixth. I think he's hungry for it and uh, he's performed there in the past. So I think he'll, I think it's going to be Colton. A perfectly cliched answer to that question. Well done. That, that sounded like you'd driven a race car for a living before. <laughs> coming up coming up this weekend, 8 p.m. Saturday night, the Bomberito Auto Group 500 from Worldwide Technology Raceway airing live exclusively 
on NBCSN. Then we get a few weeks off and we're going to be, the podcast is not taking a break. Unlike the Olympics, we're not taking a break here. Uh, we've actually got some pretty cool stuff that we're going to have planned, but we also are going to have to have a silly season show at some point here. Um, Wes Shire, one of our buddies that we're involved with here on the Discord side, put together a whole spreadsheet of things that has been completely blown to hell in the last 48 <laughs> hours. Um, <laughs> What do we do? We talked about it for that for like two hours one day. Yes, and, and it was, was completely logical. It's like what what has to happen in order, in order and, for all of this to start? It literally to, none of these. Yes, uh, that was it. It was like where is the domino that's going to fall? And I don't think the domino has fallen yet. Alex Albon heading to Coin may start that process because if Coin announces Albon, that means Grosjean's out of a seat. And we know he's not going to be out of a seat. However, the big teams typically wait until a week or two after the season to make their driver announcements. So it'll be interesting to see if we get anything during that break. Also, the Pizza at the Pagoda crew, at least part of us, are going to be spending the last weekend in August at New Jersey Motorsports Park for the Indy Pro 2000, the USF 2000, some sports cars going to be a fantastic weekend we are going to do an entire podcast show dedicated to the road to indy which is going to be pretty darn spectacular um really really looking forward to that one and then by that point we're almost into the middle of september september 12th the grand prix of portland that's all on the nbc mothership same for laguna sake and the firestone grand prix of monterey that's september 19th at 3 p.m then the season closes out. I can't believe we're almost, a, we're about six weeks out from the That's end of crazy. the season. The Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, uh, Sunday, September 26th, 3 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Uh, what looks to be the last major motorsports event for NBCSN before that network disappears at the end of the year. But with that, I think we should probably get the hell out of here. We've been yapping for too long. We really appreciate everybody who's listening here with us. We'll get some socials set up here. So the Instagram and the tweeters and all those kind of fun stuff. That way you can actually like start tweeting us if you like what we're doing or if you just want to tell us we suck. We're good with that too. <laughs> but until next week when we come back with the recap of the race from Gateway, for Christian Jasper, James Watson, Mike McCullen, my name is Chris Graham. It has been a pleasure to have you hanging out with us here on a well we're recording on monday you'll hear it tuesday but wherever you are on this beautiful beautiful planet of ours we hope you enjoyed the show and we're looking forward to talk to you soon see you later everybody god i love tequila <laughs> so 